It's good to see you guys. Get yourselves all cozy. We're going to start worship in just a minute. So this is Communion Sunday, which is a good thing. If you guys haven't seen or heard of this book, this, I'm getting goosebumps just holding up. This is a book by Benny Johnson called The Power of Communion, Accessing Miracles Through the Body and Blood of Jesus. It is a dainty little powerful book. This thing, and it's nice. It's like hardcover. It's, it's nice looking. It's a nice little book to set out on the table and put your to-go communion cups and elements out there. And Anyway, I might read just a little snippet before we take communion today. So what we're, what we're going to do today is we're going to take communion at the end of our gathering. The message I felt like God was just impressing upon me was to just throw out before us what, what Bethel, what we would call the four pillars of revival. And the four pillars of revival basically are, uh, well, Isabel, you can just put slide number eight up real quick since we've got the slides going. We're going to come back to this after worship. The four pillars of revival are the goodness of God, Jesus' blood paid it all, nothing is impossible, and everyone is significant. Now, if we could just implement those four pillars in every one of our lives, we would be and will be and we are becoming very dangerous people. Dangerous. Like the enemy trembles when you walk into the room. If you are so convinced of the goodness of God, if you are aware and you get a revelation of what Jesus actually paid for, that he didn't just pay for you to get to heaven he didn't just pay, die on the cross just to blot out your sins, as important as that is. We're going to go into what he paid for. And the focus today will be on Jesus' blood paid it all. And it's fitting because it's communion Sunday. But that with nothing is impossible. With God, nothing is impossible. And when we realize that everyone is significant and we learn how to see one another in the significance that God has placed on every individual, that there's not a junior Holy Spirit, that there's not one person in the kingdom that is not important to God, that he died for every human being on this planet. Everyone is significant to him. The people that we would write off, he has not written off. He longs for those sons and daughters to come back home. So anyway... Everyone is significant. We don't have to elevate one person and put them up on a pedestal, and we don't have to hide someone in the back room because, you know, they're, you know, out there or something. Everyone's important. Everyone has treasure. So we can go back to, uh, we're going to open up with some scriptures here, and then we'll worship. So why don't we stand? This is a hearty little group. At first I thought, oh, a lot of people are gone today, but now I'm looking. This is sweet. I love Legacy City Church. I love you guys. You guys are all precious people. I feel like God has blessed our little house, our little church with awesome people, people that are like just so like-minded and like-hearted. So I know for Tammy and I, I can say we're, we're very thrilled with you guys being a part of this. No one in here is insignificant. You all have such high kingdom value on your life. And it's our heart just to, to put the fire under all of us and blow wind in each other's sails and just run, run this kingdom race with all that we are. That doesn't mean hard work and difficulty. It just means we get to run with Jesus. That's what we were born to do. So let's read a couple scriptures, then we're going to worship. So Hebrews chapter 10. And now... We are brothers and sisters in God's family because of the blood of Jesus. And he welcomes us to come right into the most holy sanctuary in the heavenly realm. Boldly, with no hesitation. I just want to encourage you guys this morning. His invitation is for you to come boldly with no hesitation. Don't excuse yourself from coming in because of stuff that's happened in this last week. Because of the blood of Jesus, he welcomes us to come right into the most holy sanctuary in the heavenly realm. His blood is what we plea. 
for he has dedicated a new life-giving way for us to approach God. Just as the veil was torn in two, Jesus' body was torn open to give us free and fresh access to him. And since we now have a magnificent king priest to welcome us into God's house, we come closer to God and approach him with an open heart, fully convinced by faith that nothing will keep us at a distance from him. For our hearts, just put your hand on your heart. Just say it. My heart has been sprinkled with the blood of Jesus to remove impurity. And I have been freed from an accusing conscience. And now I am clean, unstained, and presentable to God inside and out. That is a good word right there. Psalm 100 verse 4 says, You can pass through his open gates with the password of praise. Come right into his presence with thanksgiving this morning. Come bring your thank offering to him and affectionately bless his beautiful name. For the Lord is always good and always ready to receive you. It is time, Legacy City Church, it is time to sing and shout for joy. Go ahead, all you redeemed ones, do it. Praise him with all you have, for praise looks lovely on the lips of God's lovers. Praise looks good on you. God looks at you, and when you worship, when you speak with your mouth, the mouth that he designed, you know, he knows how many hairs are on your head. He also knows how many little taste buds are on your tongue. He knows how intricate your, your vocal cords and your voice box and your tongue and your brain, how it's all wired together. He designed it, and his plan was that he would he would infuse you with his life, that he would take that life of God and funnel it through the wiring of your body, that you could release something from his kingdom into this earth. So this morning, he says, praise looks lovely on you. Praise looks good on you. And I want to encourage you, don't be shy. Don't hold back. Let your voices just be released this morning to lift up worship to the King of Kings. So let's just pray, and Isabel's going to blast us in a second. Father, we just come into your presence this morning by the blood of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for the cross. We thank you for the broken body of Jesus on the cross. We thank you that just as the veil in the temple was torn in two, so Jesus, you offered your body as a sacrifice to atone for our sins and to give us free and fresh access into the very heavenly throne room. So this morning, we come with thanksgiving on our lips. We come to give you glory. We come to worship and exalt you. We come to lift your name on high. We come to invite you to break into this earthly realm, to break into our world on earth as it is in heaven. That is our prayer this morning. Just as it is in heaven, so will it be on earth. In Jesus' mighty name, we worship you, Lord. Unshakable, O oh Lord. Hallelujah. We give you praise, Lord. As our praise rises to your throne, Lord, we enthrone you on our praise, Lord. You are powerful. There is none more powerful than you, God. Hallelujah. No enemy, Lord. You go before us, Lord. You're our rear guard, Lord. You are all powerful, Lord. You ride on the seas, Lord, of our troubles, Lord. And you say, peace be still in my name. Hallelujah. We are crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who gave his life for me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. You empower us, Lord. There's no enemy too big. Someone here thinks an enemy is too big, that it can't be withstood. And they see their weakness, and God says, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. 
Walk in that truth. Walk in that truth. And you will have victory. Hallelujah. Enter his courts with thanksgiving and his... Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Thank you, Lord. We praise you. Thank you, Lord. On the ministry team, is there anybody here who has a word the Lord has given? I can hardly open my eyes. Jeez. Come on, Dave. (laughs) I knew knew you were coming. Lord, I just thank you that you're riding on the storm. Lord, that you can take the atmosphere of our body right here, and then it spreads, and it just overwhelms. And Lord, I thank you today for the two women who visited here today. Thank you, Lord God. You're so faithful. In the word, Paul talks about our walk with God as running a race. Um, I know I've run a few races before back in the day. Um, I don't know, how many have run a race? A long race, running, bicycling. What happens after the start is you start getting into this race, and what happens, you get what they call hitting a wall. You're gasping for breath, you feel like you can't breathe enough. You feel like your limbs are just weak. And uh, even professionals get this, people that race all the time, bicycles, running. And what it is, is after the adrenaline wears off, your body starts slowly coming down. And sometimes that's what goes on in our race. Sometimes we feel weak. Sometimes we feel discouraged. Because we do have an enemy. And he's a liar. He's the father of lies. He comes along and he tries to trip you up. He talks discouragement to you. He talks bad things about you, asking you, who do you think you are? Who are you thinking that you're going to get what you say? So we have to show him our badge, our authority, which is the body and the blood. He has made us his authority here on earth. We speak to these things. This is our second wind. The Holy Spirit is our second wind. And right now I want to pray over us that we get our second wind from the Holy Spirit. Mm. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your Holy Spirit. Right now, Holy Spirit, come in and give us a second wind. We command right now the evil one that would try to come against us. And we bind any power, any words of discouragement, and we say, here is our badge of honor. Now you run and flee. We have our second wind. We speak to any sickness, any infirmity, any discouragement, whether it be in ourselves or our loved ones, our kids, our grandkids. And we say right now that they are healed, whole, healthy, and prosperous. And Holy Spirit, continue to cheer us on in this race. We look to you for our second wind. We put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. This week I accidentally came across this little uh, video. I had just typed in faith in my search bar and this gal, oh my goodness, so good. It really, it spoke to me. Uh, One of the things, and I wish I, I didn't, they didn't have her name, so I wish I could tell you what it was, but I don't know what it is. But, um, anonymous, Anonymous. there we go. Oh, I just said anonymous. So one of the things that she said is, she says, the, the Father is calling you back. He's calling you back into relationship. And you're saying, no, no, I can't because I have 
sinned, I've fell, I've faltered, and I have willingly been in the enemy's camp. And the father is still saying, come back into your relationship. He's, because what you're doing is you're, you're, um, you're almost worshiping your fault, your failure, your, um, your falling back. And because you're paying attention to your fault and your failing, it's actually changing. It's, it's renewing your mind to, oh, I'm at fault. I'm a failure. And the father is saying, I've already paid for that. Come back into relationship. I understand um, that you've fallen, but I've made provision for that fault. I've made for provision for that failure. And so come back, even if you're even if you're in your own misery because it's your own fault, he's saying, come back. He is a good father. He's a loving father. And um, he, he wants you to come into that um, wholeness and into that relationship with him. Bring your, bring your baggage with you. <laughs> and good morning, kings and priests. Anybody else got a word of encouragement? That was a little hummy, wasn't that? Just barely tap it down, Isabel. You know which one. Yeah, thank you. And nobody else has anything? That was good. I just wanted to just pause after what, what Dave was praying and releasing into the atmosphere. Oh, come on up. Yeah. I'll, I'll finish what I was saying. I'll just finish what I was going to say. I was just going to say, I feel like we just need to breathe him in. Just his presence is here. Just breathe him in. There's no high like the most high. Ooh. All right, Josh, my brother. I just wanted to tag on to what um, they were saying, because I read this this morning in Romans. Um, this isn't the message translation, so this might sound a little bit different than uh, most of the Romans passages, but um, this is Romans 10, verse 9. Say the welcoming word to God, Jesus is my master, embracing body and soul, God's work of doing in us what he did in raising Jesus from the dead. That's it. You're not doing anything. You're simply calling out to God, trusting him to do it for you. And that's salvation. With your whole being, you embrace God setting things right. And then you say it right out loud. God has said everything. God has set everything right between him and me. And then scripture reassures us, no one who trusts God like this, heart and soul, will ever regret it. So just a little tag on what they said. I was just soaking that in. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I was just talking with, I think it might have been you, Ethan, about that scripture. That, that was a different translation, but it, you know, the way most of us have learned it, I learned it in the NIV. I guess that means I'm NIV positive. No. So <laughs> that's what people say. Anyway, NIV, ESV, whatever. But if you, if you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and you confess with your mouth, that God raised him from the... Actually, if you, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Being saved means that you have to confess him with your mouth. It's not just a private, personal, I just believe in my heart, just between him and me. So stay out of my business. Yeah. There, there, there is an actual part in our salvation where we confess him. We begin to speak who he is to us. So that was good. And I just feel so soaky this morning. Soaky. You can grab that thing and just be ready to interject. Interjection. So I, I just felt like, well, I got a couple little things uh, real fast here. But First uh, John chapter 3 says, the reason the Son of God appeared. Do you guys know the rest? Who knows the rest of it? Why did the Son of God appear? 
Anybody? The reason the Son of God appeared. <laughs> you don't have to pull your, Bible, your phone Bible out. I'll tell you. First, first John, by the way, the, the whole book of First John, I, I had a revelation the other day, a couple weeks ago, actually. It is all about our relationships in the body. It's all about forgiving your brother and loving your brother. The whole book. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus purifies us from all unrighteousness. But that whole book, if you go through each chapter, all the selfishness and bitterness that he addresses, all of you can't say that you love your brother or you love God, but you hate your brother. That is a good, if, if you're having relational difficulties, I would say take that book and take it through a, a journey of however long you feel the Holy Spirit would keep you in it and just chew through it. But in chapter 3, verse 8, it says, you know, whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning, kind of rhymes, sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Jesus Christ came into the world to destroy the works of the devil. Our, our first mom and dad fell. They fell to the liar. They fell into sin and they brought sin into the world. You and I were in Adam when he sinned in the garden. Why does that make me feel emotional right now? I just got to laugh. I don't know. That's just weird. Okay. You and I were in Adam. We were, I won't be crude. I used to say stuff like, you know, we were hanging there in the garden. Well, we were. We were in his, we were in his seed. Uh, an apple seed contains an orchard. We were in Adam. Yeah, the flood came and wiped out pretty much everyone on the earth except for Noah and his family, but we were in Noah as well, or one of the sons, whatever. We were, we were in those people, but we were in Adam in the fall. So our first dad, the first Adam, brought sin into our world. We, we won't hold him guilty because we're all just like him, you know, because... That's our earthly first dad. We came from that tree. But Jesus comes to destroy the work of the devil. He comes to destroy the work of the enemy. And he comes to remove you from Adam's race and engraft you into the second Adam. That is your salvation. That is yours and my hope. That you and I get grafted into Jesus. Adam was the first Adam. Jesus is the second Adam. Jesus offers you and me the opportunity to come out of Adam's race, to be grafted into the vine, and receive the life of his spirit. And it doesn't stop right there. It doesn't stop with you and I getting forgiven of our sins, getting grafted into Jesus. Jesus comes to live inside of us. But he has a plan. Our master has a master plan. How is he going to accomplish destroying the works of the devil in the earth? Is he just going to wait until the very end and then come smash everything that's wicked? And while we wait and hide in a, in a huddle somewhere waiting for the rapture because it's so dark and scary out there? I think differently. I think the Bible tells us that all creation groans and longs and waits for the sons and daughters of God to be made manifest in the earth. And guess what we get to do? Just as Jesus was in the earth, so shall you be. Just as Jesus was in the earth, that's, that's what we get to do. We are Christians. We are little Jesuses. Now, I will edit that and say, we, I'm not saying we are deity because we are not. We are humans. We are the created. Jesus is the creator. That's what makes our big brother Jesus different than us. But we are of his family now because the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is living inside of us now. And we are grafted into him. So I'm not saying we are deity, but we have the deity living in us. And the deity, the spirit of God, has brought yours and my spirit back to life. That's called being born again. 
We've been reborn. If you have received Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, you have received a birth. The Spirit of God has been birthed within your physical flesh tent. And he comes in and he takes your spirit and breathes resurrection life into you. And this work begins inside of you as a new creature, as a new creation in Christ. This work that the Bible um, and Christians call regeneration. You've been regenerated. You've been reanimated. You've been brought back to life. You were dead and now you're alive. You've crossed over from death to life. So that's what Jesus came to do. He came to destroy the works of the devil. And he didn't put that ministry on pause until the second coming. He actually has some things for you and I to get busy doing. It's not all about works, though. It's not all about being busy doing stuff. All of the work that he has for us to do comes out of a place of rest. It comes out of a place of resting in who you are. That's why God has, has so strongly been releasing this in the church through the, this new season, church worldwide, of the, of the believers, the sons and daughters of God, waking up to who they really are in Christ. That your identity is important. Like the song we sang, I know who you say, I, I, I am who you say I am. You crown me with confidence. You have given me authority. Sons and daughters have authority. If I was Bill Gates' son, and I was just a baby, I wouldn't know how wealthy I was. I'd just be like the servants in the house. I don't know anything. But when you grow up into maturity, and you become a, a son in the house, and you understand your father's, your father's estate, and when he tells you everything that is mine I've given to you, whoa, wow, you have riches unlimited at your disposal, at your hand. That is how God has set the kingdom up. He has invited you and me to come in to his kingdom, to be engrafted into his life, to be adopted as sons and daughters, to become the sons and daughters of God, seated with Christ in heavenly places, crowned with the crown of sonship and authority, the authority of the name of Jesus. His name is written across us. We get to wear his name. I'm no longer alive, as Debbie said. I no longer live. I've, I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. I'm a dead man. Scott Alcorn's dead. He's buried. He's in that water grave that he was buried in 30 years ago over at Lincoln Avenue Bible Church. He was drowned in that, that tub, that water grave, and came back up as a resurrected new creation in Christ Jesus. I am no longer my own. I belong to him. So I don't get to choose what I want to do anymore. But his choosing for what my life is to look like is so much better than what I have ever could have dreamed of. I wouldn't have my wife and five kids. I wouldn't have this joy of walking into a new planting of a church with you guys if it wasn't for him and what he wanted to do with my life. I'd probably be dead, seriously. The stuff I was doing, I was inviting illness to come into my veins. I shared needles with people. I had sexual immorality all over my life. I was in the pit. And he protected me in that pit and brought me out of that pit, niece. <laughs> he set my feet on a rock. And he gave me a new life and a new name, a new identity. I'm a child of God. I'm a son of God. And so are you. It's your choice. He doesn't force you to become one of his. He chooses you, but you get to choose him in response. So we're just going to slightly shift gears. I, I really wanted to, to give this word to Chris this morning. So Chris, I know you're back there and you're like, what? You're talking to me? <laughs> yeah, I'm talking to you in front of everybody here. Yes, it's you. It's not, it's not your dad. It's you, Chris. 
And you don't, you don't have to do anything weird. I just, can I read something to you that I felt God was saying to me to give to you? Is that cool? Can I share it with everybody? But I want to I share it with you in the witness of everybody here. Before I share it, I got to tell you, you know, what I just said about my life before Jesus was real. I had no idea what he had in store for my life. Just like most of us have no idea what our life will look like five, ten years down the road. But when I gave Jesus my life, when I gave him the reins of my life and I said, you can have it all because I'm going to just screw it up. He took me on a journey. And that same journey, that same dream that he spoke over you when you were being born into this world, he was there. He was in that delivery room. (laughs) Sorry, guys. I get so messed up when I talk about this stuff, but this is so real. It's so important. God is a father. He birthed you. He knit you together inside of your mom. You have unique DNA, a unique fingerprint. You're not like any other creation in his world. And he is pleased with every one of the human beings that he knit together in the knitting factory. He wove you together. He was dreaming dreams of what your life would look like. So this is, this is what I feel is his heart for you. You were given the name Chris. And the name Chris means carrier of Christ. Carrier of Christ. It's short for Christian. It's also short for Christopher. But Christopher, Christian, it all comes from the anointed one. So you are a, your name means carrier of Christ. Your name means anointed. Anointing in the Bible sense means you have been smeared with this oil. That's what they would do. The priest would take the oil and they would smear it on a person, on their earlobes, on their foreheads, on their toes, all kinds of weird things they would do, ritual. But that spirit, that oil would be a, a symbol of the Holy Spirit being smeared on your life. So your name means anointed. That's God's dream for your life is that you would wear his anointing, that his, his blessing of his presence would just be smeared all over your life from head to toe. And so this is what I felt like after I, I knew what your name meant because I've, I've known the name Chris, Chris, Christopher, Christian means anointed for a long time. So this is what I felt like I saw over your life, Chris. You have strength and determination all over you. I see it. You are a man of strength and determination. It's on you. He is pleased with how he made you. You are a young warrior. it's, it's, It's a fact. I can see it. You are a warrior. You're a fighter. You were designed to win battles. There is land that we believe that God is taking us as a church into. And I felt like God was telling me he's going to use you like Caleb in the Old Testament to take giants down that are in the land. Because you're a warrior. You have a warrior spirit. Strong, determined. Just like Caleb. Caleb, I read a couple weeks ago, Caleb was a man of a different spirit. He believed God, and he believed the promises of God, and he was not afraid to go into that land where there were giants bouncing around. It could be like the Lord of the Rings giants, you know, the giant trees. They were probably really big, but they scared most of those people. They came back with that report. There's giants, and we're like grasshoppers to them. But Caleb was a man of a different spirit. He's like, we can take them. We can take them. He's going to give you eyes to see and ears to hear what what is in his heart. Eyes to see, ears to hear his voice. There's nothing more awesome in this worldly journey that we're all on than to hear his voice and know that you've heard him. You're like, I can hear the creator and he's talking to me. Like personally. Personally. 
He has an anointing in you right now that's waiting to be unlocked. An anointing to see things in the spirit, strongholds of the enemy that are waiting to be pulled down. He loves you with an everlasting love. Chris, he loves you with an everlasting love. It doesn't end. It never dies out. You can't do anything to make him not love you. It's who he is. And he's aiming it at you right now. He wants you to know it. He is drawing you. He is pulling you in with these cords, these ropes, these I just typed down chords, these like strings. He's drawing you to himself with these chords of his loving kindness. He wants you to know that the God that created you, he is kind and he is good and he is loving. So we as a church just bless you today. We bless you with that. We just pray that that would sink and soak deep into your core of who you are that you would walk out of this place today, you would know that you're loved. Yeah, you're loved by these people in this room, but you're loved by the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the creator of the universe. He would have died just for you. So today, guys, we are going to take communion I believe that God wants to do some good things while we take communion. I believe that there's so many things that Jesus accomplished on the cross for us. So many things that are in our inheritance, in the will, the will of God for you and I. Things that are written in his will. He had it all planned out. He knew he was going to give you and I an inheritance. It's Jesus' inheritance. And the Bible says that we are his co-inheritors. We get to co-labor with Christ and we get to become his co-inheritors. His inheritance is ours. And actually, when it's all boiled down, you and I are his inheritance. We are, as Ephesians chapter 1, somewhere towards the end there, it says, uh, Paul prayed that God would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him and that you would know the inheritance in the saints that you would know the great inheritance in the saints. There is an inheritance in God's people. It's not just an inheritance out there. It's actually in you. There's an inheritance that you carry around. Jesus is our inheritance and we are his. I am my beloved's and my beloved is mine. So we don't need to put the pillars of revival up again, but let's go ahead and throw slide number nine up real quick. <clears throat> this is not a Bible verse, and I've read this to you guys before. The, you can Google it if you don't remember the story of the Moravians, those guys that sold themselves off to be slaves in that, to, to go to that Moravian island. I guess it was the Moravian island. Or, I, anyway, I'm going to mess it up if I try to explain it. But they sold themselves to be slaves so that they could get to the actual slaves that were being held working a plantation. And their goal was to, to bring Jesus to them. And this is what they cried out from the ship where they sold themselves into slavery. When the people were like, do you really want to do this? And they said, may the lamb that was slain receive the full reward of his suffering. Jesus paid a price. His blood was poured out on the cross and he wants a reward for what he did. Now you and I are the first fruits of his reward. Just you becoming a believer, you becoming an adopted son or daughter is the first fruit. But there's more. He wants to see the, the works of the devil destroyed. He wants to see the works of darkness undone in our lives and through us. We are a kingdom people. We have the Holy Spirit living in us. The, ho the Holy Spirit, everything in the kingdom, righteousness, peace, joy, healing, freedom, forgiveness, the list is just so huge that we would never be able to go through it in 10 minutes. 
but everything that is in the kingdom is in the Holy Spirit. Wherever the king is king, wherever the presence of Jesus is at, there you have the kingdom. So Jesus, if he lives inside of you, then the kingdom of heaven is within you. And he doesn't want the kingdom to be trapped inside of you. What did Jesus say that the kingdom that the Holy Spirit would be like in your life? Like a river flowing out. And Jesus demonstrated, a, demonstrated for us what it looks like to be one anointed by the Holy Spirit. Yes, he was God in the flesh. And everything he did in ministry was as a man anointed by the Holy Spirit. He didn't step into ministry until his baptism. Yes, God himself, God in the flesh, got baptized. He was without sin, yet he was baptized. And he didn't do his ministry until the anointing of the Holy Spirit. When he was baptized, he came up out of the water. The Spirit of God descended upon him like a dove, in the form of a dove, and rested on him and remained. And everything he did, he did in the power of the Holy Spirit, in the, in the power of that anointing. Miracles, signs, and wonders. Healed the sick, raised the dead, cleansed the lepers, cast out demons. And then he turns to us, he turns to his disciples, and he turns to us today and says, freely you've received, freely give. Go. Go in my authority. Go in my authority. Release my kingdom. You know, Jesus said, if you see miracles happen at his hand, if you see, if you read in the Bible and you see him touching people and the kingdom of heaven is released, he said, if you see demons come out of people, if you see healing happen, then you will know that the kingdom of God has come among you, that the kingdom of God is at hand. It is right there. If you are a carrier of the kingdom of heaven, the Holy Spirit is in you, then the kingdom of heaven is in your hands. All creation is waiting. It's groaning and longing. Not for the next Benny Hinn, not for the next Randy Clark or Bill Johnson. He's waiting for the next Chris. He's waiting for the next you, my friend. Yes, I'm looking at you. And you. All of you, all y'all, yes, you too, you young lady. Yeah. He's not waiting for the next Amy Simple McPherson. You're probably like, who's that? Powerful woman of God in the 1900, early 1900s. The same spirit that did all that stuff and all of those people I just mentioned is the same Holy Spirit that you have living inside of you. And God wants to wake up the warrior. He wants to wake up the son and daughter that you are and, and show you, give you wisdom and revelation of who you are, who he's called you to be. So Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Holy is your name. Your kingdom come. And your will be done here on the earth just as it is in heaven. That is what we get to do. That is the prayer that Jesus taught you and me to pray. Daddy God, holy is your name. Whatever is in your kingdom, we want to see it released here. And we want to see your will done in the earth. What is the will of God? To believe the one he sent. What is the will of God? to bind up the brokenhearted, to heal the sick. It's, the will of God is wonderful. There's so many facets to it. Well, we should look at a couple scriptures. Let's look at slide number 10. We'll kind of narrow it down. And we, we will take communion and we'll have worship for that. And what we'll do before we actually um, start funneling through, I'll give some instruction and then you're on your own. You get to take, take the bread and the wine or the it's not wine. I'd like to bring wine in and do that, but someone might be offended. So would anybody be offended? No, we won't. We'll just do grape juice. I think it'd be cool. I grew up in the Lutheran church, and I thought it was neat to I gotta have a little sip of wine. 
and you could smell it on everybody's breath. And it's just like it kind of lingered. It was a, a lasting effect. Not, it didn't give you a buzz. It just, you just realized, I drank that wine, that blood I received. So we will take communion together. And it's on you how you want to apply it this morning. But I'll give some instruction regarding that. But let's look at Mark chapter 1 here in Luke 11. Later on, after John the baptizer was arrested, Jesus went back into the region of Galilee and preached the wonderful gospel of God's kingdom realm. His message was this. At last, the fulfillment of the age has come. It is time for the realm of God's kingdom to be experienced in its fullness. Turn your lives back to God. Put your trust in the hope-filled gospel. And then Luke 11. But if it is by the finger of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. And I'm going to just bust through a few scriptures here. So slide 11. I quoted this. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of rules about food and drink, whether you eat pork or drink wine or abstain from both, whatever. That's not what the kingdom of heaven is about. The kingdom of God is not about that. It is the realm of the Holy Spirit. It is in the realm of the Holy Spirit. The kingdom is in the Holy Spirit. Wherever the king of kings is at, wherever the king is king, there you have the kingdom. So wherever the Holy Spirit shows up, that is where the kingdom is at. And the, whole, the realm of the Holy Spirit is filled with righteousness, peace, and joy. Serving the anointed one by walking in these kingdom realities, it will please God and earn the respect of others. We all want to please God. We're not talking about earning salvation. We're just talking about bringing pleasure to our Father, making Him pleased. When we all come into the kingdom, when we see Him face to face, we want to hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. Now come into my glory. Get ready to party, because He's preparing a table. And He's putting on a a tire and ready to serve us. He's going to treat us so good when we're at His table. You think you taste good things now once in a great while when you go to special occasions at a restaurant? He's preparing a feast for you and me. Emily's thinking, hmm, all the stuff that I get to prepare and learn how to cook, just imagine what the kingdom is like. All of the wisdom and revelation of how to create food and recipes came from God. Imagine what he's going to set before us. Your desire to bake and cook and and do things with food comes from his heart. You bear the image of the Father. You have the likeness of Jesus just in the creativity that you carry. So, we please God and we get to earn the respect of others. It's just something that happens. You know, when when you display the kingdom, when the kingdom of God is flowing in your life, when you're giving Jesus full reign of who you are, you earn respect from people. They may not realize what it is. They're like, there's something about you. You're a different kind of employee. You're a different kind of neighbor. You just seem to be patient and kind and loving and give a lot of grace when a lot of people wouldn't. That is the kingdom of heaven being displayed. Jesus said, let your light so shine before all men that they would see your good works and they would glorify your Father in heaven. That's how we shine the light. We shine the light. We become these these lighthouses, these beacons of God's light when we display the kingdom, when we allow his kingdom to come and not only invade us, but be released through us. So the kingdom's in the Holy Spirit. We're going to do two more scriptures, and then we're going to get ready for communion. So let's do slide number 12. So this is John chapter 14. Jesus said, I tell you this timeless truth. The person who follows me in faith, believing in me, will do the same mighty miracles that I do. This is in the Bible. I'm not making this up. (laughs) Even greater miracles than these. Because I'm going to be with my Father. For I will do whatever you ask me to do when you ask me in my name. That is his authority, the authority of his name. We ask him in his name. And he said he will do it. And that is how the son will show what the father is really like and bring glory to him. Ask me anything in my name and I will do it for you. 
So does that mean if we ask and we don't see it, then it's not the will of God? Or that those miracles just aren't for today? Or do, so in other words, I'm saying, do we change our theology to fit our experience? Or should we do what needs to be done to change our experience to fit this theology? Do we press in and go after the breakthroughs and believe that that's what God said? To be like Caleb, the, the man or woman of a different spirit, of that, that spirit. So let's look at uh, slide number 13, Isabel. I put like 100 slides on here. It's like a smorgasbord. And I just figured he's just going to highlight which ones. We're, gonna, we're just going to pluck a few of them through, and then we're going to take communion. So this is Mark chapter 16. And he said to them, as you go into all the world, preach openly, not just in little secret rooms like this, preach this openly, the wonderful news of the gospel to the entire human race. Whoever believes the good news and is baptized will be saved. Whoever does not believe the good news will be condemned. That's the sad part. And these miracle signs will accompany those who believe. They will drive out demons in the power of my name. They will speak in tongues. They will be supernaturally protected from snakes and from drinking deadly anything poisonous. Excuse me, I'm reverting to a different translation. Protected from snakes and from drinking anything poisonous. And they will lay hands on the sick and heal them. They will, did it say they will lay hands on the sick and beg God to heal them? Or did he say they will lay hands on the sick and heal them? We don't need to just go pray for healing. We need to just go heal people. Jesus didn't have to pray for people to be healed. He went and healed them. And he's telling us that we get to do the same things he did because he's given us his authority. He's given us the spirit. That's just part of it. That's as far as we're going to get in that. I do want to throw the slide number 20 up, Isabel. You know, I put this up back in October before we took the trip to Barahona. And we knew that we were going on this mission trip with part of Galen's team to be the healing, healing prayer team. And so before we left, we, we did a teaching that Sunday before about healing, how it is central to the gospel. I like that quote. Randy Clark said, healing is central. It's not peripheral. Jesus didn't just save healing for, oh, okay, now that I'm done teaching all the doctrine that I want you to be believing so that you can study all my doctrine forever and just stay in a room studying until I come to get you. That's how a lot of us live our Christian life. Just staying, reading the Bible and studying the word of God is important. We need to do that. But if that's all we do in our Christian life, we're missing what is central to Jesus's life. Jesus's ministry was healing. Everywhere he walked, he healed the sick and he was raising the dead. He was taking broken people and healing them. He was giving life. Then he would go to those lonely, quiet places and pray, spend time with the Father. You know, my heart for, for myself and for all of us is that in our day and in our time that we would see the, the signs and the wonders of God that the Word of God talks about released in greater and greater and greater measures in our lives. That we would see people radically healed through the laying on of hands. That we would hear the voice of God in such a crystal clear way that we would release a prophetic word that would just shift people into their calling and their destiny. Now, doing a word of encouragement that I gave Chris this morning, that's a good thing. But there's so much more. There's so much stuff that God has that's deeper. And it just takes time knowing him and pressing in like Jesus did. Spending time with the Father. Listening to his voice. Encountering his presence. 
So we're going to take communion this morning. And I'm going to read something real short, a couple little paragraphs out of Benny's book. I was reading this with Tammy this morning. I read just a couple chapters so far. The first chapter is just about, she talks about using communion as an intercessory tool. In other words, she takes the communion elements like a tool and goes before God and she, she prays and does intercessory prayer. If you don't know what intercessory means, if you're a young person in the room, that just means you're interceding. You're going on behalf of somebody else or another person's situation and you're petitioning God. And what she said she would do is take the communion elements and she would just take her time. Bill Johnson's talked about this too. They, they both take communion daily. She says in this book, sometimes when the Holy Spirit has put someone on her heart, there's been times where she's taken it two, three times a day as he would lead. And then when he lifts that person's, person's burden off of her, then she gives thanks and believes that she sowed a seed. But we get to take the communion elements. If, it's, if this is what you want to do this morning, you can use the bread and the juice, the, the, the body and the blood of Jesus, to hold that before you and to petition heaven that what Jesus paid for would be released in a situation that needs his breakthrough, that needs his healing. You may need to just be free from sin or unforgiveness. I would encourage you to take the body and the blood. Spend some time as we, as we grab our cup and, and bread. Spend some time just holding it. I, I did ask families to, to sit together. I feel like there's just something about representations of tribes and groupings of people, especially family representations in the room, that it's just fitting to take it together as one family unit. And as a, as a person who's just pure, just you represent your family. So you're taking it on behalf of your family. And you're free to gather with a couple others that are, you know, you three ladies in the back if you, and anyone else. If you want to join another family, um, I would say everyone in this room is probably very uh, open and saying yes to joining their little family gathering if you want to do that. I would encourage you to hold the cup and the bread, the body and blood of Jesus before you and apply what he did on the cross to your own heart. That if you need areas where you feel like you've, you've walked in sin, you've walked in rebellion, you've walked in some darkness, Jesus wants to cover it. He doesn't want to expose you and embarrass you and make you feel like a worthless piece of trash. That is not who he is. He paid the price that your sin, your brokenness, your darkness could be covered. He is that good. He wants to just cover you. He wants to say, son, daughter, I just I pull you in and I cover you in my robe of righteousness. There's no safer, no more righteous, holy, perfect place to be than wrapped up in the arms of Jesus and covered in his robe. That's what he has for every one of us. So if that's what it is that you need this morning, you just need to hold that before him and say, Jesus, help me to receive your covering. Help me to receive it. And as I take this bread and drink this cup, I'm taking you in. I want to receive you. I want to receive what you have for me, what you paid for on the cross for me. And it might be forgiving someone. Somebody may have offended your heart. And maybe you've forgiven over and over and over. And maybe you thought you had it all dealt with and taken care of. But there might be another aspect of that if he brings it to memory. I'm not saying just look for something to forgive, but ask him. Take a moment and say, Father, is there anyone I need to forgive? And then you might be like, ah, they just pop in your mind. And then present his broken body and his blood before him on behalf of them and say, Jesus, just as you forgave me, so I forgive them. I release them. I release them from, from my expectation that things would be made right. And I cover them in your righteousness. I cover them in your forgiveness. And then take your communion. So I'm going to read a couple things. Why don't you guys go ahead and stand. That, may, that way we know we're done.
got to find the part. I threw a quick marker in here. And uh, so scripture says that each time we take communion, we are proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six. When we take communion together this morning, we are proclaiming the death of Jesus. We are proclaiming his body and blood poured out on the cross until he returns. We're going to keep the cross before us, the power of the cross before us until we see him. When we take the body and blood of Christ, we are reminding ourselves whose we are. That's what I want to encourage you to do this morning. Remind yourself when you hold the cup and the bread, remind yourself of whose you are. Who do you belong to? And what he did for all of us. She said that the Spirit-Filled Life Bible puts it this way in a commentary note. Each occasion of partaking is an opportunity to say, proclaim, and confess again. I herewith lay hold of all the benefits of Jesus Christ's full redemption for my life. Forgiveness, wholeness, strength, health sufficiency. When we are using communion as a tool for intercession, we are not only realigning ourselves with Jesus Christ, but we are also proclaiming the reality of heaven over every area of our lives. This isn't just taking juice and a cracker and being like, oh, I remember Jesus died for me. We get to use this as an opportunity to declare to use your words, to, de- to speak out over situations and bring the reality of what Jesus paid for on the cross into our reality by taking the authority and speaking what he did and bringing it into the situation. One other thing, and then we're going to start the music. And once the music starts, feel free to... Yeah, bless you. Feel free when the music starts, just start coming up and grabbing your stuff. And then you just take it as you will. Just take your time. There's no hurry. Before I read this last little paragraph and we do that, I want to invite anyone who wants to receive prayer. Um, Tammy and I will be up here. And if more than that shows up to receive prayer, then some of the rest of you come and help us pray. Does that sound like a plan? Nobody may come up here, so I don't want to like get everyone up here. Anyway, I just had a thought. We could all take communion right up here in the front. Now just take it back at your seats. It should be a personal time. I think you guys should just really take time and hear what God would say. Maybe next time we'll do it all together and up front here. That might be fun. Give me just a second, guys. I just got to do a quick read here. So we never need to be distracted by the activity of the enemy. But we can be aware of the battle that is going on all around us for our minds, for our authority, for our health, and for our peace. We have the winning hand every time. You have the winning hand every time. Every time you and I take communion, we remind ourselves that the devil has been defeated. That song's coming to mind. The enemy has been defeated. (laughs) Death couldn't hold you down. So... We remind ourselves when we take communion, the devil has been defeated. Jesus is the victor. The cross has the final word. I think everyone has experienced being attacked. So I'm going to stop reading out of the book. I'm going to pray, and then we'll we'll just move forward with this. So let's just go ahead. If you want to close your eyes, do whatever you want. You can put your hands out or put them off to your sides. You can put it on your heart. You can put it on your head. Wherever the battle might be, maybe just aim your hands at it. Now, if it's your wife next to you, <laughs> Dave, be nice. <laughs> if, if as two people partnering together and agreeing for each other, you can do that. You can aim your hand at that person, at each other. But let's just, I just lay my hands on my own heart. Father, this morning as we prepare to take communion together, we remember the price that was paid for our salvation.
We remember the price that you paid to bring us in to your family as adopted sons and daughters of your kingdom. You don't even say adopted. You just bring us in and you call us son and daughter. We thank you this morning that your cross has purchased for us a new identity, that we are a new creation in Christ, that we are sons and daughters that are seated with Jesus in heavenly realms, in the heavenly place, that you've put your crown of authority on our heads, that you've given us the name of Jesus, not only to call upon to save us, but to call upon to release your power and authority in your kingdom into situations. We say this morning, Holy Spirit, come. And through the power of the cross, as we remember the body and blood of Jesus, through the power of that cross, we say come and do a mighty work inside of us and in our situations. Lord, we say come and do a mighty work in our families, in our workplace, in our neighborhood. Come and rewire us this morning. Realign us, King Jesus, with your kingdom. Realign us with your reality. God, we just prepare ourselves to take your body and your blood and remember your your death on the cross in an honoring way. And so we say, Holy Spirit, search our hearts. If there's anything in us that needs to be dealt with, we invite you to come and illuminate it now. Where we need to forgive, Lord. We just pray that you would come now and you would show us anyone we need to forgive. And as we take our communion today, we will choose to release those people. We will choose to forgive them just as you have forgiven us. We thank you for the power of your blood and the power of your cross. And we apply it this morning to sickness, to brokenness, to division, and we say reconciliation and healing be released through the cross this morning. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. God, we just thank you today, Lord. We thank you for your body and blood. Thank you. We do want to know you more. There's nothing more in this world, God, than to just know you and to walk with you. And today, God, we just set our affections once again on you and pursuing you during this week, pursuing you through our days. God, we just want to fight to keep you before us. We want to fight to keep the distractions that would pull our time and suck away our time, the computers and the cell phones, all the stuff around us. God, we just want to we want to consecrate ourselves to you, that we would make time and make room, that we wouldn't get religious and legalistic about it, but that we would learn to walk with you all through the day. Even when we're visiting people and checking our phone, we would still be aware of your presence. We want to know you, Lord. Let your presence, let your spirit overwhelm us, that we would walk and do our daily stuff with a deep awareness of your presence with us. Thank you, God, for our opportunity to be together as a church family. And we just say we love you in Jesus' name. Amen.